Morning, everyone. I haven't used one of these Britney Spears microphones before, so this is on me. So it's on. Okay, cool. We're good. So my name is Jono. Like Don has said, and like I'm sure some of you guys know me, I'm married to Kelly. She's up here in the front. You probably have received an email from her um, during ups. Um, and I just wanted to just pause. Everyone else, you don't have to listen to this. How's it frequency, guys? Welcome back. Really good to see you guys again after camp. It's really cool to be here. And we have donuts for you afterwards in the front. Okay. Sorry, everyone else. <laughs> you should come to youth. <laughs> We're in the book of James still. And how good has it been to be slowly dissecting and getting into this book? We've been in it for the majority of this year, um, and we're on this little portion where we're chatting about wisdom, and we're chatting about um, the, the community, the church, and how that all works out together. But it has been so good just getting deep into what this very, very short book actually has to say about what it means to have a real faith for our real life. But I realized while prepping, I probably shouldn't just jump straight into it. I should start telling you guys a little bit about who I am, a little about, bit about my family, because some of you guys don't know me. Um, like I said, I'm Jono, married to Kelly. We have a little daughter, Mackenzie. She's at Kids Rock today, I think, or is she at the back? She's at the back. <laughs> um, and we, ha- we actually got a new dog on Friday, so we have two dogs now. Um, we don't have an updated family dog photo. Um, that's our family. Uh, Mackenzie is a year and a half um, about myself, I love outdoors, I love trail running, I love the forest, I love the ocean, I love surfing, skateboarding, anything that has to do with being outside in the sun, that's my element. I'm there, um, I have a lot of energy. <laughs> it's a, yeah, a lot of energy. I think on youth camp, um, I think I told you guys last week I did 35,000 steps a day and I still had to go for a run in the morning because I wasn't tired enough. Only one high schooler came with me. Shout out, Eli. Um, and Kelly, Kelly can attest to this. At any given moment on my laptop, I have 10 tabs minimum open at a time. All of them busy with something. So I have an energetic body and an energetic mind, often swapping between thoughts and sometimes getting confused along the way. But here we are. Okay, let's get into this. Classic. Get Jono to talk about wisdom. Thanks, Don. <laughs> Thanks, Don. Here we are, the 25-year-old youngster filled in a room, sitting in a room, standing in a room filled with people that some of you have been Christ followers for longer than I've been alive. And I get to talk about wisdom. I felt so unqualified. I was like, Don, really? Could I not have had a better topic? <laughs> But then I, I thought about it, and I was thinking, and I was praying about this. I'd already said yes, and I realized it's not me. It's not Jono. I'm not standing here with the cleverness of my words. I'm not standing here with the, the authority of my lived experience. I actually get to stand here, and I get to share the authority of God's word, and I get to share Christ within me with you guys. And that's such a privilege. I realize it's not about me. Um, and, but I needed to get some work done. I needed to spend some time in this passage. We're going to get to it just now. It's five verses, and I spent about a month reading over five verses. When it becomes so deeply, like, it becomes part of who you are. Every conversation I'm having with Kelly, every conversation I'm having with other people, I'm thinking about these five verses. They're filling my quiet time. They're filling my life. They're filling 
my thoughts, my questions, everything. And I just became so, so aware, and it's completely off notes here, of the impact of this book, the Bible. I became so freshly inspired and in awe of God and the kingdom and things to come and of of who Jesus is and who God is by spending a lot of time focusing on only five verses of this entire book. I know I've said it to you guys, high schoolers, a lot. I recommend this book. It's a good book. You should read it. It's not going to disappoint you and it will change your life. And that's my little side point and I may say this often. Um, but let's get, let's get into this. I'm going to share a story, and then we're going to get into the scripture. Um, I live in Weinberg, close to Maynardville Park, and a lot of my prep I spent there in the park um, with the Bible, doing some reading. Um, it's, yeah, it's actually quite cool. But I ended up getting really annoyed with the Egyptian geese. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen an Egyptian goose before. They kind of look something like that. If you haven't seen one, which I probably think you all have, you've definitely heard one. They go, ah, 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 like crazy, especially early in the morning or when you're trying to focus, they just go crazy. They go nuts. <laughs> and they stand on the top of the trees around the dam in Maynardville Park, honking like crazy. I'm busy trying to prep. I'm like, guys, really? So proudly saying, look at us, we're the king of Maynardville Park. Look at us, honking, going crazy. And then I do a lot of cycling, and last weekend I was cycling through the kind of hill areas around Philadelphia, back end of Durbanville, um, and I saw a hawk, like, sitting on top of a telephone pole. And I was thinking, and like I said, these five verses have been filling my thoughts. I was comparing a goose and a hawk, and I was like, wow, a hawk is so beautiful. There's something about... The beauty of a, like a bird like that sitting quietly, quietly, it's, there's just something about it that was like different to a goose. And it got me thinking, um, do I want to be a goose or do I want to be a falcon? Do I want to be a hawk? Okay, we're going to get into the Bible. We're going to go through the text. It's James chapter 3 verses 13 to 18. And, and then we're going to talk about three short points and a challenge for our lives. You guys are welcome to turn with me in your Bibles or follow along on the screen. This is the NIV. Actually, before I get there, I'm going to pray. Lord, would you, would you open your word to us this morning as we sit underneath the authority of your word? Would you speak to us? Amen. Verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving. It's considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit. It's impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. It's God's word. It's James's word, but it's also God's word. (laughs) 
James starts with an interesting line, a loaded question, a rhetorical question. He asks, who is wise? Some versions translate this short little piece as who is wise among you, and even others make it a bit more personal, and they ask you, whoa, (laughs) if you are wise, if you are wise, and they sparked a few questions in my head, well, where does this wisdom come from, and how do we know who is wise? Um, Maybe a bit more personal again, am I wise, and where do I get my wisdom from? James alluded to that one of those questions in chapter 1, verse 5. We looked at this a while ago, but a reminder of it. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. That's the true wisdom we're speaking about, that it's a gift that we get directly from God. Okay, how do we know if we are wise, or how do we know who is wise among us? James puts it really clearly. Well, there's two things you'll see. You'll see their life. You'll see if someone is wise by the way they live their life. And a key character trait and fruit, humility. It's a little bit surprising that he says humility to me. It's against our culture that he doesn't say you'll know you're wise based on how many theological books you've read. Or you'll know you're wise within this context by how many podcasts you listen to. Or you'll know you're wise by how many um, times you come to church. (laughs) You'll know you're wise by how much money you've made through your very successful business. You'll know you're wise by how many times you come to Frequency. You'll know you're wise by how many times you go to ladies' Bible study or how many times you've attended any of these events He doesn't say that. He says, you'll know you're wise because your life will reflect that. There will be good deeds done within the context of humility. And he links some really cool themes, some mega themes of this book in this one sentence. Remember a few weeks ago, be doers of the word and not just hearers, allowing the Bible to impact the way we live out our lives. Remember two weeks ago, the link between our faith and our deeds, how they're actually inseparable. They're not one or the other. It's a really cool, cool link between our godly wisdom and the actual working out of our everyday life. Again, are you wise? Do you live it out? Am I wise? Do I live it out? We'll get back to this in a little bit. James then goes on to compare two two things. Godly wisdom and not godly wisdom. So we'll call not godly wisdom, we'll get to this first, goose wisdom. Goose wisdom. Remember the honking geese in Maynard Park? Very much inspiration to this. We'll start again in the Bible from verse 14. It says, But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, goose wisdom, does not come down from heaven, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you'll find disorder in every evil practice. Goose wisdom, false wisdom, wisdom. He gets two key phrases going to describe this, to help us understand what he's really meaning, and they are bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. And to try and explain those, I kind of thought about it and wrote this down. He depicts people who are in angry competition with each other. A fierce desire to promote their own opinion 
above everyone else's, fighting for their own rights, trying to make their own voice heard more than anyone else. Wait, did James just describe social media? Maybe. (laughs) These are the things that fill our natural human heart, envy, jealousy, selfish ambition, pride. I would stand up here and put my hand up and say, I'm guilty of this too. We all know that at some points in our lives and in some places, we are a little bit of a goose, aren't we? Honking a bit loud where we should be remaining still, making a bit too much noise, saying, look at my life, I am wise. And this is what James was seeing when he looked at the church. He saw some people honking really loudly, I am wise, and others maybe not, and living out true wisdom. We can't forget that James wasn't writing into emptiness. He wasn't writing into, you know, 2022's church. He was writing to the people then and now. There would have been real people fighting within the church, attitudes that weren't lacquer, people that needed to be firmly addressed because they were bragging that they were wise and not living it out, claiming to be something that they aren't. And it was a countercultural message then, and I think it's countercultural now today too. Well, well, where does this goose wisdom come from? What's the source of this goose wisdom? Because he's quite clear it's not from God. He names three things, earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Uh, earthly, quickly to describe it, bound to the world. It's not thinking about God. It's not thinking about faith. It's not thinking about the age to come and the kingdom. Unspiritual means it's natural. It's disconnected from the spirit, from, um, and demonic, well, that's quite easy to explain. It's inspired by demons and hell itself. You put them together and you get the unholy trio, the source of goose wisdom, is the world, the flesh, and the devil. It doesn't seem so good to be a goose anymore. (laughs) Maybe it never did. And the final harvest, the final result of this goose wisdom, this false wisdom within the church, within the world, it's disorder. It's disorder and a really descriptive word. Um, In some versions, it says every evil thing, (laughs) every vile practice. Maybe the chaos of our modern world when we look around or around us, um, the modern world, maybe the chaos there is evidence of the disorder that James mentions in this chapter. Okay, let's swap sides. Let's talk about falcon wisdom for a little bit. Let's move on to James um, 3.17. But the wisdom, there's no um, quotes there, comes from heaven. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving. It's considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit. It's impartial. It's sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. James returns back to true wisdom, falcon wisdom. And he he shows us that, yes, its source is from God, but it has a fruit too. It has two fruits, purity, first fruit, primary fruit, and second fruit, every other fruit. And I think it's really interesting that he points it out like that. It shows us that from purity comes first. And I've been thinking about that word purity for a little bit. And as the petrol price has been increasing, I was, that has filled my thoughts. You know, the 10 tabs open at the same time. And somehow they clashed together when I was lying in bed one night wondering, if I took a little bit of like cooking oil, 
poured it into my car's tank. Do you think it could work? Or like, water it down with something, you know? Surely there's something I could water it down to squeeze out a little bit more from that tank of petrol. Because it's, it's expensive. <laughs> and I'm no mechanic, <laughs> but I don't think it will work. <laughs> and even if it does work for a little bit, my engine will not last very long. <laughs> Just like a car needs pure petrol, so we, like, we need pure things in our life. And God wants pure things for us too. He wants our life without blemish. Do you guys remember the word unstained? Found earlier in James 1.27. We spoke about this quite a lot in our life group. Um, but hear me out. He doesn't require us to be perfect to have a relationship with him. But he does want a pure heart within us. So the fruit of godly wisdom is purity. It means it's not mixed, it's not divided, it's not petrol and cooking oil. And it links to a mega theme in James's letter, talking about single-mindedness on God. And it got me thinking, where do we build our life? Where do I build my life? What do I build my life on? Do I build it on God and his kingdom and, and on, on who he is? Or does life blur it sometimes and, and I build it on God and, God and my family, God and my job, God and my career, God and my money, God and my hobbies, God and my school, God and anything. It's not pure if it's God and. Pure means it's not mixed, it's not divided. It's incredible. <laughs> the rest of the virtues that James lists flow from a pure heart because I think it is possible to be gentle and peaceful and all the list of the other, the other fruits from a different heart too. Maybe you're peaceful because you have a fearful heart and you're scared of conflict. Maybe you're gentle because you have a proud heart and you want to use your gentleness to gain influence. Pure heart is what makes these other fruit good. Having a pure heart is what makes the other fruits around us that we, that, we, that we have good. And I'm reminded kind of as I get, get to the end of this of, of Psalm 51, and I'm, we're not going to have time to go through it all now, but I would love to encourage you guys through the week. Psalm 51 is a beautiful prayer of repentance that David wrote, but especially verse 10. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, a pure heart. Christ followers, church, common ground, Constantinburg. I think we need to make a proper effort to embrace true wisdom. True wisdom from God. Imagine, imagine every one of us gave our lives, gave ourselves to this kind of wisdom that comes from God and results in a pure heart. This church, this community would be full of the fruit of righteousness and peace. And I think even further than that, we would be the most impactful witnesses to our workplace, to our schools, to our universities, to our families around us. to the broken world that we live in. The language here that is used is fruit and harvest, and, and that got me thinking about 
farming and, and how that whole thing works and, and that it takes time. There's patience involved too. Think these, these things, these, this fruit needs to be nurtured and protected and carefully allowed to rise up. Remember the parable of the sower, the ground that we, we have in our hearts? It's hazardous. <laughs> there's weeds, there's rocks, there's yucky stuff. <laughs> but it takes time for the fruit to grow, for the harvest to grow. And we need to be intentional and patient while we wait for this to happen. Maybe the band can come up so long as I go into my last point. And I want to draw a final kind of comparison between the goose and the falcon story. Remember the geese honking up in the tree and the falcon sitting quietly. We have to remember that James didn't write this book to birds. (laughs) He wrote this book to people. But there's no way that a goose can will itself to become a falcon. There's no way that a goose can honk loud enough in a tree and eventually become a falcon. There's no way that any one of us could stand and say, look at me, look at my life, I'm wise, look at how I live. Or It's not gonna happen. And my message would suck if I ended there today. <laughs> It'd be the worst. No one would come back to church. <laughs> I love that I get to end with this though. And if there's anything you remember, from today. Remember this. Only through the miracle of Jesus can we be restored. Only through Jesus can our lives be transformed, can our source of wisdom be changed from that unholy trio of the world, the flesh, and the devil to God. Only through building our life based on Jesus, based on God, Can we turn this thing around and will we see this fruit and this harvest of purity? As we look to Jesus as the source of our wisdom and we put aside that unholy trio, we'll begin to become wise through Christ's transformational power. As we lean into worship, why don't we all take stock? Why don't we, if we maybe find ourselves on on the goose side of the scale, um, Ask Jesus, ask God to restore you. Ask him to help you build your life on him. Ask him to reveal himself to you and change your life through his word. Can we all stand while I pray quickly? <laughs> Lord, I'm sorry for building my life on things that aren't you. God, we, I pray that us, us as a church would be able to, to seek you, seek your face, build our life on you, not on the things of this world, not on other things, that our, our faith would be focused and our life would be built on God, not God and. And as we worship now, Lord, would you continue to speak to us, continue to work in our hearts. Amen.